The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Uh, by the way, we're really throwing you off today. This is not a super long sermon. That's why we didn't worship as long. We're going to have some worship at the end. Yeah, that'll really throw off your Sunday. You won't know who you are. Uh, but um, we, uh, I, I did want to mention a couple other things about next week over at Life Action. First of all, if you forget everything and you come here at 1030, no problem because it's, whoa, there we go. Uh, no problem because it's only about 20, 25 minutes over there. So you can just, you still can make it. That's part of the reason we went to 11. Uh, if you're not staying around for lunch, that's fine. You can just come to the service. We're going to have a, a service there on the beach. The team from Life Action uh, that is going to come here in September is over there. And they're kind of practicing, getting ready for their uh, whatever, going out on tour. Uh, so they're going to lead our worship next week there on the beach. And then I get to preach in sandals. Yeah, come on, just like Jesus. Uh, so so that, that's, that's pretty exciting. And uh, we'll have that service there. And then, great part of the service, we're going to have, at the end, we're going to have baptism. And uh, so I wanted to mention that again. It's not too late uh, to talk to me or Pastor Josh or anybody else uh, that could tell us about what we love to see some folks follow the Lord in that way. I mentioned before, um, I think that, uh, you know, sometimes that, that whole idea of following the Lord in, in baptism is just so needed to say, hey, yeah, this is real. Okay, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to commit. Great step of commitment. So if you have not made that, I'd say pray about it, but I'd say do it. Okay, uh, get, bapti get baptized. And uh, we will send out a couple things this week just with reminders about where we are next week. So if you come here, you can either, uh, and you're here at 1030, you can do one of two things. You can either uh, ride on over there and join us for church. And like I said, don't have to stay around. But, uh, oh, hey, great, though, chance if you're like have a family that you know that has kids and invite them say hey we're having church outside then a picnic that'll be great they have kayaks and the beach and everything like that great chance but if you don't stay that's fine too you can just come for church over there and kind of walk around and enjoy beautiful i saw the uh week long forecast which is usually completely worthless but uh but i did look at it and it's supposed to be beautiful next week so if they if they get it right we're having a good sunday next sunday out there that'll be good watch a storm like crap oh speaking of storms sorry I'll, I'll get to the message in a minute here but anybody see the sunrise this morning it's like super red yeah my mom used to always say red sky in the morning sailors are gonna be in trouble yeah uh and uh so I don't know what that means. There might be the big storm out there today, but uh, man, it was beautiful. It wasn't that long though, because the dog and I saw it. And we're like, let's get out there and take our walk now, because it's so pretty. By the time we got out there, it was kind of, it was gone, but it was a weird, really red. I mean, it was almost creepy, but okay. All right, okay. We are gonna dig into the book of Revelation, chapters four and five today. In fact, we're gonna read through, I think uh, chapter four is 11 verses, chapter five is 14. So we're going to look at all 25 verses and, and kind of go through that. However, as we do that, I want to highlight a couple of things that uh, I hope you'll, will capture your minds and you'll take away. One of them is chapter 4 is really going to focus on the throne. Okay? God 
in the book of Revelation reveals different things. He opens up little windows for us to see. In fact, the verse actually says he opens up a door for us to see into heaven. I should mention this as we go through Revelation. Not everything is in chronological order, but uh, but this is definitely, the, but it is in the order that God wants us to see them. And he opens this up uh, and reveals to John what is going on in heaven. So we'll look at the throne. Then when we get into chapter 5, we'll look a little bit more at the scroll. Actually, maybe I should say chapter 4, we're going to look at he who sits on the throne. And chapter 5, we're going to look at the one who can open the scroll, the only one who is worthy to open the scroll. So that would be pretty awesome to look at as we go. Before we get into the verses, I, gotta, I want to give you one quote. I'm probably going to repeat this a bunch of times when we go through Revelation. Okay, you ready? This guy named Alistair Begg, some of you may have heard of him. He preaches in Cleveland. Uh, he's a Scottish accent, which makes it so much better. Uh, but uh, but he, uh, he says the plain things, when you study Revelation, remember that the plain things are the main things. Okay, I want to mention this because just as we go through, there is so much symbolism in the book of Revelation. And a lot of it can be interpreted in light of the Old Testament and understood. But I want to be very honest with you. I don't know what it all means, okay? Uh, when uh, I, I went to college, I went, and uh, the course that I studied was pastoral theology, okay? You're going to go off and become a pastor. Well, when I got done college, uh, I stayed, got a master's in education, and I ended up working in a ministry, and I was a pastor on staff most of the time and working in a Christian school, but I was never the pastor. Honest truth, every time I would visit my parents, somewhere mom would have to work in the line thought you were going to be a pastor every time I was like okay so then finally about 10 years ago uh, and and this actually they had a vote here on Sunday night to call me as pastor I got online that night and got tickets to go down and see my parents my dad was sick and I thought before I start uh, my new job I wanted to get down and see my dad and I uh, went down there and we're sitting around talking while I'm down there and mom shows me this verse of revelation she says do you think this is going to be nuclear war I said, Mom, I don't really know. Honest truth. She says, well, how can you be a pastor if you don't know that? <laughs> I find the Mom, come on, give me a break. Uh, if I want to be a pastor forever, I finally did, and now you, you won't even go, go with that. I say that because there are a lot, I'm a little gun-shy about saying this represents what is going to come and name it. Uh, some of you, you got to be an old-timer with me on this one, but some of you might remember there was a day, probably back in the 70s, maybe maybe early 80s, when uh, there was a giant computer in Belgium. It was the size of a building. And they talked so much about this giant computer and all it could do, and it was like, it's going to be used of the Antichrist and the beast. And uh, they had this all laid out. And at that time, I think there was nine nations in the European Economic Union. And they said, as soon as it gets 10, that's the 10 horns, and that's when Jesus is coming back. And they were so excited. But today... First of all, everything that that building-sized computer can do is in the palm of your hand and more. Uh, and secondly, the European Economic Union has more than 10 uh, nations. So we're not sure. So sometimes people are like specifically labeling what's going to happen, and it doesn't work out so well. So I am mainly going to focus on the main things, which are the plain things. Yeah, I, it works either way, doesn't it? Uh, the, main, the plain things, which are the main things as we go through here. So let's go. Verse number one of chapter four. Um, as I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. I'm sorry, who wrote uh, Revelation? 
John, and he's on this Isle of Patmos. He's in exile, uh, and uh, there, or he's in prison, really, or he's, he's in a penal colony there. Uh, and a voice said, uh, which I have heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, come up here, and I will show you what might take place after this. So uh, when you hear that, come up here, you think rapture, you think uh, come up, not really about the rapture. You're saying to John, come on up here, I want to give you a view. I want to give you a peek into heaven. Okay, you ready to take a little peek into heaven? That's what God is going to give us here today. Beginning in verse number two, he says this. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet, like that voice, this trumpet, it wasn't a trumpet blowing, but an announcement type voice said, come up here and I will show you what must take place. That's verse number one. What's verse number two say? Sorry, we, we, have, a, we have a misprint there. Uh, verse number two says, and at once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on it. Let's see if this next verse says that. No. Uh, good. Okay. Verse number two. Very good job of proofreading my, my uh, slides today. But verse number two says there's a throne in heaven with one seated on it. A major point that I want to make, and I don't have the slide to show you, there is a throne in heaven with one seated on it. I want you to see that. First of all, uh, yes, there is this throne there, but the most important thing is what we see, don't, don't forget this word, what we see is an occupied throne. Very, 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 very important that I remember through life that that throne is occupied. There is a God, and I am not him, he. Uh, either way, I'm not God, okay? There is one seated on, the, on this throne. The ultimate reality is what we sometimes say as a cliche, God is on his throne doesn't say he will be. God is on his throne. Sometimes we look and wonder what in the world's going on, and we wonder if there's a God on his throne. Uh, God says, hey, you want to take a peek into heaven? God is on his throne. And you and I make terrible gods. So when we want to put ourselves on that throne, we make a mess of things. And we're headed for heartache, and we're headed for uh, a roller coaster ride through life because the rightful place or the rightful person to be in that place on the throne is God and God alone. So he needs to be on that throne in my life that I see here. The reality is God is on his throne. Hold on to that. If you're going to phase out, if you're not great at listening, if you're going to pass out, remember that idea of an occupied throne. Okay, God is on the throne. Verse number three then says, And he who sat on there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. You will notice that the description of God is not a physical description. Six foot two, uh, you're not that. Uh, but what it is talking about is this glory that emanates from the throne. Okay, this brilliance of who God, who God is is what is emanating. The rainbow is a symbol of God's promise. When God set, set the rainbow in place, what he really did is he self-limited uh, his sovereignty. God can do whatever he wants. He's completely sovereign. But when he set the rainbow in place, he said, I promise I won't destroy the earth uh, in his judgment again. So the rainbow is just that symbol of God's promise. So we are not looking you know, specifically at the physical appearance of God, but what we're seeing is this incredible glory that is emanating from that throne in heaven. 
And around the throne were 24 thrones. Seated on those thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. Now this is somewhere where I mentioned, you know, the, the interpretators have a lot of fun as to what exactly the 24 elders are or who they are. Most all come to the general agreement that these represent the people of God. Usually the idea is there's 12 that represent the saints of the Old Testament uh, and the 12 tribes of Israel, and there's 12 that represent the saints of the New Testament and the, and the 12 apostles, okay? And on these thrones, but basically what it is telling us there is uh, these are representation of the people of God. Okay, and I want you to remember that somewhat as we move into worship. These are the, these, this is us. Okay, this isn't the angels. Uh, this is a representation of us. And we are on these lesser thrones, or mankind is pictured on these lesser thrones around God, for we will rule and reign with Jesus. But there's 24 thrones then representing the people of God. And from the throne, flashes of lightning, rumblings of, and peals of thunder. So you just see this power emanating from the throne. And before the throne were seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. The seven spirits of God will be mentioned again in chapter 5. Uh, it is a little bit, this is one of those ones, exactly what is represented there. Uh, definitely seems to be the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, perhaps seven different roles that he has and jobs that, that he does. But, def, but what we're seeing is this glorious picture of the throne. And on it we got thunder and we got lightning and we have this brilliance. Uh, and these stones emanating from this, just this brilliance here and the rainbow and the promise of God. And you're seeing all this beauty here. And verse number 6 says, and before the throne, uh, it should have been 4-6, uh, was a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. Now let's start to picture these creatures. They have eyes in front and behind. Remember that. The first living creature like a lion, the second creature like an ox, the third creature like the face of a man, and the fourth uh, a, a creature like an eagle in flight. Okay, now, when you talk about these four creatures, these four faces appear several times throughout Scripture. In fact, even in the Gospels, we have four different pictures of Jesus. Uh, Matthew very much pictures him as the king of the Jews, the lion. Uh, Mark pictures him as a servant uh, and uh, very much like the ox would be. Uh, Luke pictures him, uh, uses the phrase son of man over and over again, the humanity, the, the, the God who became uh, man in, and lived this life. And then the eagle uh, is a kind of picture of that overseer or the one who's large and in charge, and John Roy focuses on the sovereignty of God. So we see some of those pictures there. But bottom line again is, and another way we can look at this is, you can see the, uh, the, the lion is the king of the untamed animals, if you will. Uh, the ox is the leader of the domesticated animals. Man is, of course, of all animals, and they're like that. And then you have the eagle, who's the uh, king of the birds, if you want to say it like that. But what you have here, okay, first of all, you have uh, the saints there all gathered together worshiping him. And now what, you, what we really see is all of creation. And, and uh, you remember in the last verse, we saw that these animals had eyes, okay? Eyes are just always representing vision and knowledge, okay, that you see things. And one of the first things I wanted to point out about our worship, about all worship, is it is to be intellectual. Someone has said that the reason why there is not more worship is because there's not more understanding of who God is. And I think that is very accurate. The more we see him, the more we know him, the more we understand him, the more we're going to be laying down our lives, bowing down before him and worshiping because we'll see how worthy he is of that. 
Okay? So worship is to be intellectual. Um, in uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, the apostle Paul wrote, and he, he talked about the idea of what is your reasonable, your thoughtful service in one translation or act of worship in another, in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This is your reasonable, your thoughtful act of service. I believe it is Romans 10, uh, I have it written down so a smart person would stop and actually look at it. Uh, but in Romans chapter 10, verse number 2, yes, uh, there it is. I found it, don't you worry. But it talks about the, the whole idea that the, Paul wrote, and he talked about those who have zeal without knowledge. And he said, that's a dangerous place. I don't want you to be like that. I, I don't want you to have zeal without understanding. So being informed, being intelligent, one of the aspects of our worship that we see, or one of the aspects, aspect, characteristics of worship uh, is that it is intellectual. Okay, it is based on knowledge. So it is very important that, yes, we study. Yes, we uh, see God for who he is. Let's go to the next verse. Uh, verse number eight. Why, why we're saying five, I'm not sure. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings and full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say what? Holy, holy, holy. So are they, they are continuously worshiping over and over again. Well, we'll see what they do in a second here, but I did want to mention the six wings. Uh, creatures described as six wings are also in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. It's very interesting in there because what the wings are used for. I always found this fascinating. Of the six wings, only two are used in service, and four are actually used in worship the way they cover themselves. What I'm saying with this is this worship thing, it's a big deal. Okay, don't be, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not all about worshiping God. We need to be. <laughs> I'll also say that. Uh, this, is gonna be, this is a foundational element of our Christian life. Worship is foundational. Praising Him, lifting Him up. We were created to praise Him. So they began to praise Him. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Uh, and whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who are seated on the throne who lives forever... And the 24 elders, what do they do? They fall down before him who is seated on the throne, and they worship him who lives forever and ever. Let's stop for a second and see another characteristic of worship in that they fall down. Uh, and just to realize that worship is physical. Okay, Worship is intellectual. Worship is physical. They fell down before him. Um, let me ask you, which one of these postures is described in Scripture? Okay, which one of these postures? This one, eyes open, hands up, or this one, hands folded, eyes shut. Which one? No, no, this one isn't. This one is. This posture isn't described. Now, I'm not criticizing at all. My grandson does that before meals. It's so cute. Uh, he said, get ready to pray. Okay. Uh, like that. I'm not criticizing that at all, and I'm not saying you shouldn't bow your head and fold your, fold your hands, or I'm not saying, you know, the little emoji praying for you. I'm not saying don't send that because that's not bad. I'm not saying that at all. Okay. Bow your head and close your eyes. Good. That, that's all right. It is kind of funny how ritualistic we get about that sometimes. Kind of like, are you peeking during prayer? Did I see you looking? Uh, I saw an eyeball. Uh, the truth is the posture of the Bible is more often like this. Okay. My hands are up. Okay. I surrender. I'm writing to my father. Okay, I'm one to my father, and, and, I, and I am uh, in need. I need help. Little kid skinned his knee. Mommy, right away. Daddy, right away. i got to go to them. That, that's what I'm doing. We can also think of the idea of come, come out with your hands up. 
okay? Uh, keep those hands up. Basically, there's nothing I can do, right? I'm just surrendering. That, that's where I am. Now, am, am I saying that if you don't raise your hands and worship, you're un ungodly? No, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying, look, that wor worship is, is physical. I mean, it's everything. Okay, we're going to get into a lot more characteristics, but it's intellectual. It's definitely physical. Uh, they fall down on their face before God and worship him. What do they do then? Oh, wait, we missed that phrase. At the end there, they cast their crowns before the throne. They cast their crowns before the throne. One of my favorite musical groups for years has been casting crowns. I don't know. They like them. I, I, you know how your phone hears you and everything like that? There's something going on there. But, uh, but anyway, uh, when, uh, when I was uh, looking at casting crowns and different things, I, just, I was kind of wanting to research their name. I figured it was based on this verse, and they were saying, hey, everything, I'm casting my crown before him because any crown that I have earned, anything I accomplish really belongs to him, so I'm casting my crowns. And sure enough, that's what the name means. But as I was looking at that, too, uh, one of their songs came up. And uh, I hadn't heard this song before, so I don't know if it's all that new or not. Anybody ever hear a song called Crazy People? It, that's, a, that's a pretty neat song there. But I got thinking about this whole idea of this God-centered life. It, it, it kind of is, hey, who will fight a giant? Who will do this? Crazy people trusting God. Uh, right. They're not centered the same way as everybody else. If everybody else is centered on self, everybody else is centered on, they have themselves seated on that throne, and they're in charge, and we know that God belongs on that throne, and we live that Christ God-centered life, sometimes we're going to come across this eccentric. That the, the ones who are saying, no, wait a minute, this all this glory, it belongs to God. And they're singing his praise going forward. Uh, we're, and what are they saying? They're saying, we're here to you, O Lord. We see glory, honor, and power. Why? Who's created all things. By your will, they exist and are created. Okay? so sorry that my slides are filed up. I'd like to blame Josh for that. <laughs> yeah, nothing to do with it, but I'd like to blame Josh for that. Uh, that's all about me. But now we're actually going to move into chapter 5, if you go with me. And uh, it says, Then I saw in the right hand of anybody seated on the throne the scroll written on, and, uh, and, and the back was written on also, sealed with seven seals. If I could explain just for a second here, the scrolls of that day, we kind of have this vision, you know, we see this guy, here he is, here he is. So he's reading it vertically. Truth of the matter is the scrolls were read horizontally most of the time. They'd come in columns like a, just a few inches wide and they read across like that. But whenever a scroll was written on the back, basically what that meant is there was a lot to say. Okay. Uh, there was, it was packed. And it says, this scroll is written on the back, so there's going to be a lot to say, and it is sealed seven times. Now, what that means is there have been seven strings around it, and each string would have been put together with a seal. It was used legally back then when somebody did a will, okay? They would, uh, you'd have that, when you had that will, it had to be sealed like that, wrapped up, and you'd have seven witnesses that would all put their seal on there. So, that, so that's the picture that they have here. So we have this scroll. I have no idea what that says. Blue mic. Use the blue microphone. Can you hear me? No. Not very well. Use cable. We're listening, though. Good. They're <laughs> <laughs> holding up a yellow paper back there. I don't know what it says. Yeah. Blue mic. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> I was having such a good time. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going back. Ten minutes? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
<laughs> we won't do that to you. I was trying to be pretty loud. Next week, I got to talk on the beach. I get to wear sandals. Okay. Uh, then I saw on the right hand. Oh, we already read this. See how easily I get distracted? Uh, verse number two. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud vo voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? Okay. See what's going on here? We have this scroll. And someone says, hey, who is worthy? Is there anybody worthy? And no one in heaven or on earth, did you get that? No one in heaven, no angels, nobody on earth is under the earth is able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep. John is weeping <laughs> loudly, okay, because no one was worthy. No one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look in it. One of the elders said to me, weep no more. You know why? Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David has conquered, so he can open the scrolls. If I could just mention here for a second, you have heard that phrase before, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Hail, hail, lion. Anyway, a uh, little song there, but the lion of the tribe of Judah and the root of David. Now, usually when you see the David, you see the idea of the seed of David. He is the offspring of David. Here it says he is the root of David. So he is the one that is responsible for David, and he also, as a man, came from David. But he's saying he's the one behind all of this. So first of all, he is worthy, uh, if you want to say genetically, inherently, he is worthy in that he is the lion of the tribe of Judah and that he is uh, the root of David. But then also he is worthy by merit because what has he done? He has conquered. He's conquered sin and death so that he can open the scroll and seals. Now, going back to this idea of this sealed up, if you want to say, if you want to see it as a will, okay, this is the will. Only God can reveal his will, okay? It's, it's, it's in his hands, and only he can open that up and reveal it. And as we go on, we're going to see more of that, that come. He is the one that is worthy. Who is this one that is worthy? Well, let's read a little bit more about him if we can. Between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which were the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. If you are new to church world, uh, um, maybe you're not so familiar with this phrase. If you've been around church world a lot in your life, you hear the phrase, behold the lamb or worthy is the Lamb. And we have some understanding of it, but if we can today very much see what we're looking at here, the Lamb of God, it, it's an amazing picture. First of all, if you really look at the Word, it's not just, it's not, not like a, a ram, it is a little lamb. Not what you think of as far as the great conqueror would be. Not a whole lot of NFL teams pick little lambs as their mascot. We had a couple of upward teams, but they were wimpy. Uh, they weren't very good. I mean, how good can you be? Come on, little lambs. You know, just can't do it. Uh, you know, this is not seen as a great powerful thing, but this is, the, uh, this is what we find, that there is a lamb. But he is not really weak there because this lamb is standing. And then you see his picture down here that he has seven horns, which are a picture of strength and power. You have seven eyes. Remember, that's his knowledge looking. So we have a God who is all-powerful, seven horns. We have a God who is omnipotent. We have a God who is omniscient, seven eyes. So it's not really a weak picture here, but don't miss this. They saw him standing. Don't miss this little phrase, as though it had been slain. Have you ever heard anybody just say that in heaven there will only be one person that has scars, 
There will only be one set of wounds in heaven. When, when Jesus is seen there, these wounds of the Lamb are perpetually open before God. Let me say that again. They're perpetually open. That sacrifice is always there for us to see. The Lamb as though he had been slain. Why did God say to his church, I want you to uh, observe communion? I want you to gather together a couple weeks ago when, when we looked at that, and we'll do it again soon. Uh, but uh, why, why, why do we do that? You know, is this some kind of strange ritual of the early church there? Are they cannibals? Are they eating the flesh and drinking the blood? No, I want you to remember. I want you to always remember the sacrifice. And we will sing about it weekly, and I will preach about it weekly. The, the Son of God laid down his life, a sacrifice for us. We're going to see it forever. And this lamb that they worship still bears the marks of that. That sacrifice is ever before them. I'm sorry, I love that. And I want to say this too. I think uh, somewhere coming up here soon, I have another quote. Let's, I think we got another verse. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. I want you to remember this phrase. The coming judgment will be ministered by the one who has already secured the way of escape. And as we see, this is very crucial, folks, because we're going to read in future passages about the judgment of God. Well, I don't really like God of judgment. If you're going to talk about judgment, you know, forget it. I can't, I can't really picture God is all about judgment. I don't really like that. Whenever you hear that phrase, somebody's like, well, come on, come on, I don't believe in a God of judgment. Maybe you ask them this question, what would you like God to do? Would you like him to himself take that judgment upon himself so that you don't have to bear that price? Because that's exactly what he did. And if we can keep this phrase in our minds, that the coming judgment, and even as we go through that judgment, how terrible, and you say, oh, man, I can't believe it. And then we ain't playing around, folks. You'll read it. Okay, the judgment of God is not something to be trifled with in any way. Well, that was so obvious. Uh, but the coming judgment will be ministered by the one who has already secured the way of escape. Do not miss that. Do not miss the lamb. Okay, as we go through, I will bring this idea back to your mind again. The price here has been paid. Do you have to endure the, the judgment of God? No, for Jesus Christ has endured that. That lamb who was slain. You see that? See, his wounds are still there. Why? Because he has paid that price. Don't miss it. Let's go on and watch them worship this lamb some more. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, all of creation, the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls of incense, which were the prayers of the saints. Let's stop for just a second here. Some people are like, well, they hand me a harp. <laughs> we had a, a lady I used to teach with. She decided she wanted to take harp lessons. And uh, her son was a friend of mine, and I was over there one time to pick him up. She said, oh, hey, you want to hear me play the harp? May I <laughs> Can I make a suggestion to you if anybody ever asks you that question? Uh, you need an excuse in a, in a hurry because i got to say it was not thrilling. I mean, she was a novice, and she had a big old harp, I mean, in her living room. And going there and a harp concert, I'm sorry, but I'm not buying a lot of tickets. Uh, but the, the harp, you know, sometimes we think that about heaven. Man, there's a bunch of harp music. I'm not, I'm not really that crazy about that. 
Uh, whether it was actually the harp as we think of it, whether it's a lyre, whether it's something like that, probably more similar to a guitar like that, that's playing like that. The one thing that we do notice here is that worship is musical. Remember, it was instrumental. I'm foundational. That was the word I wanted. Uh, worship was foundational. Remember, uh, it was intellectual. Remember, it was physical. It is also, we see here, it is musical. Okay, by the way, one of the things that's really cool in here are the prayers of the saints are golden bowls full of incense. See what God thinks of your prayers? Golden bowls. He values them like that. Incense is a sweet-smelling savor. They're sweet and valuable to God. That's awesome, isn't it? Uh, that's how God views our prayers. Uh, so let, let's go on. Uh, definitely uh, this worship is uh, musical. Someday, I'm going to have to stay with my notes just a little bit better, so I have some idea what I'm talking about here. But let's, let's go on. And they sang a song saying, Worthy. Now, let me stop here for a second again. Okay, we, we have the harps, and now we have the singing. Okay, music is vocal. All right. Now, that was the dumbest thing. A uh, word didn't come out of my mouth right. Worship is vocal. Okay. Um, I am not in any way suggesting that the time that we spend together worshiping and singing is all that there is to worship. I'm not suggesting that at all. Worship is praising. Worship is adoring. Worship is celebrating him, lifting him up. Okay? It is not just here. However, it is here. Okay? We gather together. That's why we do that. Okay? I want to I be real clear. We don't have a time of singing to fill up space, so I don't have to talk too long. You don't have to listen to me too long. We do not have a time of singing to prepare hearts even for the message. That's not really it. The main reason we want to have a worship time is to do this thing called worship. Okay? And I really would like to encourage you. Listen, it's, it's kind of not fair for me to say this. I like to sing. Okay, friends, I went to a Motown concert in Elkhart the other night. I'm singing away, uh, having, having a good time. And I, it doesn't take much to get a song in my head. I mean, we, I think it might have been the same night. We came home and just flipping around the TV before we took the dog for a walk at 10 o'clock, a song, a country music something was on, country music fest or something. So I'm walking the dog, Francis and I are walking our dog, and I start singing, Long-necked, ice-cold beers never broke my heart. It doesn't take a whole lot. It's not a real spiritual tune, in case you wondered. I sang that a few times, and finally Francis says, you need a new song. Um, but it doesn't take a whole lot to plan a song in my head. I like to sing, so maybe it's not real fair for me to say this, because I understand that for some people it's kind of like, yeah, I'm not really all into singing stuff like that. Can I encourage you, just as your friend and your pastor, try, try to sing. Well, I'm not crazy about that song. Well, sing on the next song. I, I, I don't know. So, but sing, honestly, it, to just say, remember, this isn't about me and what I like and what I don't like. I want to lift him up. Well, I wasn't crazy about that, that particular song. Well, I'm not crazy about every song either. Uh, and like, like that, sometimes Adam picks some real little. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I'm, I'm just saying, this isn't about me. And I want to worship him. And this gets us ready for heaven, folks. You're going to want, in fact, by the way, uh, you know, let's finish a little bit, and then I, I just want to talk to you a little bit about heaven. What are they saying? They're saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain by the blood you ransomed people for God. 
<laughs> do you know what? We have actually more reason to praise than the angels do. We know what it's like to be redeemed. Every tribe, language, people of every nation. But let's see what happens here. So it begins with people. And you have made them a kingdom of priests. I love that. And priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Still talking about people. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders' voice of many angels. And wait a minute, what do we got here now? The voice of many angels. Some angels are joining in now. Could it be that worship is a little contagious? And they got thousands and thousands of angels joining in. And what are they saying when in one loud voice? Wait a minute, they're getting kind of loud. Could it be that we ought to even, now hold on a second, Pastor, you better be careful on this one. Could it be that when we're listing our characteristics of worship, it's, uh, what's the first thing, foundational, it's musical, it's vocal, okay? Could it all, it's uh, intelligent, could it also be that there's some emotions involved? Oh, Pastor, you didn't just say, now listen. Uh, you know, I was talking last week about the idea that we're having that life action team coming, and, and I thought, you know, sometimes I, I'm glad because I think sometimes you just need a good kick in the keister, and I think we could use that just to shake us up a little bit. I'm glad to do that. But one of our elders wisely pointed out, hey, we need to be careful that that's not all we're doing is kind of being emotional about things. I don't want an emotional boost that dies right away. No, that's, that's good. He said, let's come up with a list to follow up on what we're doing. And, and, and he's completely right. That's what we need to do. Get like that. But I will say there are some emotions involved. And I think sometimes you just need to, come on, God gave you emotions. Well, I don't like to get carried away. Okay, most of us all have something we get carried away about. Okay, football season's coming. There you go. Amen. That's the loudest roar this church has had in year. Uh, you know, like that. But uh, honestly, there's something we get excited about. Can we get excited and have that? They said they're singing with a loud voice. What are they singing? They're singing, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and the sea and all of them saying, to him who sits upon the, the throne, to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, so be it. And the elders fell down again, and worship. I debated this, actually, until I walked up here, I debated a little bit whether I wanted to share this because I don't think it is wise for me to try to in any way use emotions to manipulate. But at the same time, this was very real to me this week, so I wanted to share it. As I took this little peek into heaven and I thought about worshiping, a few thoughts crossed my mind. <laughs> My dad loved to sing. Uh, he stunk. I mean, he was so bad, it was, it, was all, it was embarrassing. I mean, he was just terrible. But he would sing out uh, like crazy. Now, my mom had a beautiful voice. And in church, when dad would get really belted out and people around him are staring, you know, mom would give him that look like, jerk, tone it down. And he kind of sheepishly would back off and sing a little quieter. But I just thought about that this week, and I thought, there's my dad. He is singing his full head off. I don't know if God improved his voice or not, but he's having a good time. He's having a good time. I thought my brother was always one of these guys, ah, well, I don't really need that at church. You know, I don't, I don't go to church for the, for the singing. Uh, I don't really like that. And he'd always stand there. And I thought my brother's probably beside my dad, and they're singing away, having a good time. Right now. I'm not talking about in the future. They're there. And this is a part I just overwhelmed me a little bit and probably will some of you too. But I saw Jeremy there. If they handed him a harp, he turned it sideways. 
I guarantee you. But I saw him worshiping, and and you know how the goofy Star Wars thing—you see the people at the end waving, you know, the three people. Up, I don't know where they're supposed to be in heaven or with the Force or what they are. Uh, but you, you, you know what I'm talking about. You see Obi Wan and uh, Darth Vader, and they're all waving. And I, I've seen an alligator. I think that's Happy Gilmore. But uh, but uh, anyway, I'm seeing these people waving at the end. But I had this vision of heaven, and honestly, I mean, I don't mean vision. I mean just in my mind. I kind of created it. I saw Dad and my brother Wayne and Jeremy, and they're worshiping. Folks, that's what's going on in heaven. You say, well, I don't know if I want to get there and worship all the time. That sounds kind of boring. Can I uh, put you at ease about that? When we get to heaven, we're not going to have our fallen emotions. We're not going to worry about it being boring. And we're not going to say, well, I didn't really want to sing. I guarantee you. There's going to be the Lamb of God, and you're going to see him like you never saw him before. Slain! from the foundation of the earth, and he was slain because of your sin, and you are there because he is slain. And you're going to look at that, and you're going to worship. I'm not saying that it's all there is to heaven, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it's there, and I'm going to say when God opened the window, what did he show us? They are worshiping their full heads off. Shouldn't we? And I, I say that it is so easy with our time. And again, please, I'm not limiting worship to a few songs at church. I'm not saying that's it. Worship is a life that brings glory and honor and praise to God. But the singing, the music is part of it. It is. I mean, look throughout the Bible. The people of God celebrate it with music, instrumental and and vocal. Uh, As far as singing throughout the Bible, they celebrate it, the arrival of the ark. They celebrate it at their feast. They celebrate it. They got together and they sang. And we ought to well too. Now we're going to sing. I asked the group to hold a couple more, a couple of our songs to the end today. So here we go. Come on, Jess, get it moving. Uh, so they're going to they're going to come up, and we're going to we're going to just sing some praise to God. I promise you, I will not turn around and keep a scorecard of who's singing. And not only that, I really this isn't. Oh, I'm going to shame some people into singing who don't sing. This isn't it. This is just somebody who loves just saying, "Come on, He's worthy." Come on. He's worthy. Let it, let's praise him together. So, uh, so what we're going to do, we're going to sing a couple songs of praise to God as, as we, we close out here. And uh, I'll tell you what, all I'm going to do, I'm going to be up here, and I'm going to sing the words. I'm going to think about who he is and what he has done. And uh, I'm going to behold the lamb a little bit here. So I'm not, I'm not grading anybody or staring around, but I want to encourage you. Worship with us, if you would. Father, Worthy are you, the one who sits upon the throne, the one and the only one worthy to open the scroll. Uh, We want to praise you, Lord, on this morning. Help us to do that well in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email info at edwardsburg.church or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.